I would sit in the bookstore and read magazines and books about hunting instead of spending the money to buy them because, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. The one thing you don't want to do is overwhelm yourself and put yourself in a bad position or an awkward position that makes you not want to go back out into the woods. I put in sometimes 50 hours of work before I show up to a hunt. I keep a whole file of photos on my iPhone of poop that I find in the woods because I think it's really cool to show people that. I started making these short videos, kind of reviewing pieces of gear, um, recommending things to add to your lineup. I woke up to dozens of text messages from people calling me the squirrel whisperer. And I was like, oh good. I think it's a really cool thing when you can say, yeah, no, we didn't fill our tags, but it was the best hunt. Hi, this is Jules McQueen, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode number 37. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all, welcome to episode 37 of Living Country in the City. As many of y'all have seen from my posts, I'm finally back from my elk trip in Idaho, and suffice to say, it was not the experience I'd really hoped or planned for. But many lessons were learned, and it turned out to be quite a story. So keep an eye out for the next podcast, where I'll be doing a recap of the trip, along with a discussion about many of the issues that came up along the way. Now, even better, make sure you don't miss out on any new episodes by searching for Living Country in the City on your favorite podcast platform and subscribing. Also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, take a moment to please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps the podcast out. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Now, today I'm talking with outdoor writer and television host, conservationist, and avid self-taught hunter, Jules McQueen. Jules, thanks for hopping on the show with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. So, uh, you come from a bit of a unique background when it comes to hunting and uh, the outdoors. Uh, I always like to give a, uh, have everyone give a little bit of introduction about how they got into it. Uh, but like I said, yours is a little bit different than necessarily some of the folks that were 
raised in hunting families and things of uh, things like that. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. And, you know, it's I love hearing other people's stories about, you know, their dad's taking them hunting or, you know, even if it's a grandpa or an uncle, you know, people introducing them to the outdoors in some way. Um, I grew up in a I actually grew up in Oklahoma and I was the youngest in the family and I had three older brothers. Um, and we did things outdoors, but we were not a hunting family. We, you know, did a little bit of fishing and some camping, but that was about the extent of it. Um, and I'm from a military family, so there were a lot of firearms and <laughs> things like that around all the time. So I had a, a kind of very vague introduction to part of the outdoors world, but it wasn't um, the type where I had someone to really introduce me to it. And um, kind of funny. I just kind of felt this urge to know more about hunting and where our meat comes from. And, you know, I would see pictures of people wearing camouflage and I was curious. Um, so around the time I was, I don't know, 17, 18 ish, somewhere around there. Um, I started going to the bookstore and I would, you know, I would sit in the bookstore and read magazines and books about hunting instead of spending the money to buy them. <laughs> because, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So I would, oh, I'll just sit here at this table and drink coffee and read all day. So I couldn't have even told you what animal species lived in what part of the country. I had no idea that there were different types of deer or that bears were only in certain states. You know, I didn't understand where animals were in our country because it wasn't something that was ever really talked about when I was growing up. So, um, you know, it's funny when you, you think about hunting and there's some knowledge that you just think is inherent, like, oh, you should know that there's mule deer or whitetail or blacktail or, you know, these different things. But people who aren't introduced to that and educated on it, you know, it's a whole new world. So that was my situation. I self-educated. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on um, and just kind of threw myself into it thinking, you know, this feels good. It feels like something I really want to do. Um, I went to an army surplus store and I got some old used camouflage that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was like way too big for me, but it, I felt really cool when I wore it. Um, I borrowed a gun. I borrowed, um, I got permission on some property and I just took myself hunting and, you know, it was kind of that learning through your mistakes. And, um, and I think that that story is why I'm so supportive of people who take their kids out and really educate them from a young age, because I wasn't, I didn't have that. So I love seeing that other kids do have that given to them. Well, you know, it's, that's one thing when I found that out, I, I felt super related because that's kind of to some extent, you know, I didn't necessarily grow up in a military family. I grew up in Southern California, but we, uh, we were always just in the outdoors and fishing and, uh, you know, we'd go out to the Sequoia National Forest and uh, rent a cabin every year and I'd go camping and, but there was never any real hunting and I got into I got into firearms and and same kind of process where I I didn't really have anyone to teach me or tell me what to do so I kind of just looked stuff up on the internet and went and read books <laughs> right. and um yeah got interested in in picking up a bow and I mean I 
you know, short of shooting a little recurve as a kid, I'd never touched a bow prior to this mm-hmm. and like a compound bow, definitely not. And so I was kind of like, well, okay, well, yeah. that's how you do it. And I mean, I kind of, <laughs> you know, there's, I was like, okay, I guess this kind of makes sense. It it feels right, and I'm I'm hitting a target, so I can't be doing it all that wrong. And well, little did I know. Right. Yeah, uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny how we yeah we look back at those beginning days, and we were having a lot of fun. You know, of course, we weren't doing everything right, but you know, it's those beginning stages are so fun because it's you know you already know you're passionate about this whole thing, but you don't know anything about it yet. So it's, it's almost like, and the best way I've found to put it into words is it's like almost like a subconscious or an inherent trait that's been passed down from generations of hunters in the past where you just feel at home being out in the wild chasing animals because that's what our ancestors did. It's almost like as a human, we, some of us just have that inside of us somewhere so like you, just kind of having that feeling of knowing that that's what you wanted to start doing, I think there's I think there's some type of connection there in some way with our ancestors. It's definitely tapping into that kind of primal nature that whole and that whole cultural history we have as as mm-hmm. human beings. You know, we're all here yeah. one way or the other because an ancestor at some point had to hunt an animal and to live. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, it's funny. I wrote an article, um, last year for the Mueller foundation and it was kind of talking about, um, empowering more women to get into the outdoors and to appreciate our hunting heritage. And, um, and what I based that article on was the fact that there were female hunters and some of our, you know, our history. I mean, I'm going way back on this (laughs) and I like to think about, you know, these, these women in ancient times sitting up on a ridge, watching the animals and providing for their families in that way. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel more connected with humans in general. Um, but it also makes you want to empower more generations to follow in our footsteps. We don't want to lose that. Um, so I don't know. I just get such a kick out of seeing um, young kids who are already passionate about it and then knowing that as they grow up, it's going to get deeper and deeper, their affection for the outdoors. So um, it's, it's been cool for me over the years in this industry to watch how, you know, more people are embracing that and introducing, you know, the next generation. No, absolutely. And I feel like folks like us who possibly, who don't come from that hunting background, you know, when they're passing that along to, you know, the generations coming after them, whether that's their kids or their, you know, friends' kids or their nephews, nieces, whatever that may be, it's going to be there. I feel like they're even more excited to pass it along. Um, mm-hmm. Like you were saying, you get super excited when you see youth getting into it. And I think that's like you said, because you didn't get that. And you kind of sometimes think about like, oh, what, uh, you know, what would it be like if I had, you know, where would I be now and all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been in this industry for, I don't want to age myself, but quite a <laughs> while. And um, my parents are now hunters. 
So there's kind of this cool twist of events where now my parents actually enjoy going out. My mom does a little bit of rabbit hunting and, you know, I think she went deer hunting last year and my dad, you know, he goes, he goes deer hunting also. Um, so, you know, it's something I didn't grow up with. Now I have that to connect with my parents with. So I just think it's cool that it kind of all came full circle. That's really exciting. And I notice it's, it's funny. I don't, I noticed the same thing with my folks is they've always, they've always been pro hunting. They just, it was never our family's thing. Um, and, but now I see, you know, I talk to my, I talk to them about it and they're super excited. And of course, uh, you know, they know the size of my freezer down here. So they know exactly <laughs> where some of the meat is going to be stored <laughs> if I get anything. <laughs> and so they're rather excited about that as well. Um, yeah, but so looking, looking at where you're at now, uh, kind of compared to where you were in those first few hunts or the, you know, those first couple of years, um, what were, what would you say are some of the biggest differences or some of the biggest lessons you've learned, uh, when you look back or, or maybe some of the, some, I'm sure there's probably some things you had to unlearn, uh, <laughs> as you as you started making uh, making more connections in the outdoor industry and learning from learning from people, oh yeah, definitely. You know, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. I think that learning from our mistakes is the best way. Um, well, I'll take it right back um, to that first hunt. Um, you know, I shot this deer. My very first. It was the first time I'd ever seen an animal die, and I my first animal, you know, it was the first time I had ever really shot anything. So, um, I shot this really nice buck and he was old and big and beautiful. And just, it was a, just crazy luck that he was the one that walked by. Um, but you know, one thing that's changed is back then, you know, you didn't have social media. You didn't have, I couldn't just Google it. I think I had a cell phone, but it was one of those really, really old big phones, you know? Um, <laughs> I didn't know how to clean an animal. You know, I think back and I'm like, nobody wrote about this in those books I was reading. They didn't tell me step by step what to do. So I called a friend and I'm like, oh, I have no idea. You know, I think I can get this thing in my truck. I didn't know how much they weighed. You know, you think about those details, like somebody should have probably told me that, you know, a 17 year old girl can't lift up a huge white tail buck by herself. You know, so <laughs> I think back on, on that day and me trying to clean this animal and not knowing you don't put the knife in that deep, you know, so I made a total mess. And um, I think one thing that I appreciate about that is the innocence in it. You know, all I knew was that I wanted to learn and I wanted to get really good at this. And <clears throat> I wasn't afraid to get my hands dirty and to put myself out there and really you know, try to just jump in head first with it because I felt that passionate about the entire process, even from the beginning. Um, back then, there weren't a lot of women or, you know, young ladies doing these types of things, especially publicly. Um, so for me, you know, I would make mistakes like that, but I wasn't, I wasn't embarrassed about it. You know, I would call people and say, okay, so made a total disaster out of this. What did I do wrong? <laughs> and, you know, then I would learn from those mistakes. And now I take a lot of pride in the fact that I clean my own animals. I tape them out. I process my own animals too. I, last year I processed 
I think four different deer in my kitchen. Um, you know, I, I haven't changed much in that way. You know, I still enjoy the entire process. Um, but I have changed in the fact that I do more research now before I jump into something. Um, like if I'm a good example is if I'm going to, um, a different state to go hunting, which I do, you know, every year I hunt, I don't know. I don't know how many states, a lot. I read every regulation. I research the area. I do my homework. I put in sometimes 50 hours of work before I show up to a hunt. So, you know, there's, that has changed a lot. I used to be very relaxed about, oh, I'll just show up. And as long (laughs) as I have my tag, I'm good. And now I'm very prepared and I'm very forward thinking because, you know, I've turned it into a platform that I try to use to inspire more people and to empower more women. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to know what I'm doing ahead of time. So that's definitely changed for me. I'm much more, um, you know, prepared instead of just jumping into things and, you know, learning from mistakes so freely. Well, I think one of the biggest struggles when you're kind of teaching yourself is often not knowing which questions to ask as well. It's like, I've never had a problem asking somebody, you know, it'd be like, oh, you know, I have no idea how to gut a deer. You know, you want to <laughs> give me the rundown? Yeah. But but so often, you know, it just, you just may not think of that right away. You know, you know it's your mm-hmm. first hunt. You're, you're focused so much on like, okay, awesome. You know, I got to get ready for this and I got to figure out, you know, how to stock up on the deer or whatever, you know, whatever it may be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're focusing on those, it just may not occur to you to ask that question beforehand, you know, like, Oh, crud. (laughs) Until you're in that moment and you realize that you don't always know which questions to ask. And I think that's being self-taught and, and things. I think that is one of the biggest struggles is, um, you know, what may be obvious to some people, you just, like I said, don't even know to, to bring up as a topic. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, you know, some people slam social media or say, oh, you know, it's just people showing off. I find so much value in the fact that we can show those details to people who might not have thought about it. So the ones who don't know that they should be asking the questions, you know, those are the ones we're trying to reach through our platforms. So if I put um, like a YouTube video out there or, you know, whatever it is, um, I try to include little little, you know, bits of brilliance in there, little gems that people might find and say, oh, I never thought of that. I had no idea I should ask that question. Um, You know, so I think that it's, you know, those of us who've been around long enough to learn those lessons, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that other people see that information so that we can all grow together. Um, You know, there's been a lot of times in the past where I didn't know to ask a question and then you're kind of just left standing there going, well, dang it. You know, (laughs) I had no idea that this was even a possibility. So, you know, I do, I do totally get that. And I, I just hope that, you know, in some small way, people like, like us can help the next generation not get into that situation where they, you know, they didn't know they should have asked a question. Definitely. And I'm sure, I'm sure I will be in several of those moments come uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> come this time this time next week as I'm walking out into the backcountry in Idaho going, 
Oh uh-huh. man, there is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Ho- yeah. It's hopefully, so walking into a load of bugles, but we'll uh, we'll see about right. that when I get there. <laughs> yes, and you know that's a good example. Like you know, I went from you know just kind of whitetail hunting, turkey hunting, and then I started doing some western hunts, and you know, quite a few years ago, I can remember you know, hearing my first elk bugle and, you know, seeing poop on the ground. I didn't know what kind of poop it was, you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so many new things to learn. I don't even know. I keep a, I keep a whole file of photos on my iPhone of poop that I find in the woods because I think it's really cool to show people that and to educate people who don't know how to identify things. So, you know, it's like all of the, it opens this whole new world when you go on these new adventures and, you know, we're so lucky to have technology where we can Google stuff real quick or look it up or, you know, find a way to figure things out. But I think that going on those adventures and kind of throwing yourself out there, like what you're about to do in Idaho, that's the best way to learn. Oh, definitely. And albeit I am still waiting for someone to release the app where you just the hunting app where you just photograph the poop and it automatically identifies the animal for you. That uh... That is genius. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or you could do like me. I text it to all of my friends. <laughs> like, it's the hey, same thing. What's this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's usually my hand sitting right next to it. So precise reference, you know. <laughs> and so during hunting season, and now that I have your cell phone number, you're going to be getting a lot of poop pictures because <laughs> I like to get people's opinions. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't yeah. know, at least you got someone who could be close to a computer that can Google it, if nothing mm-hmm. else, you know? There's there's yep. many different resources. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, you know, I and one more quick little note on that. When we're little kids, you know, my mom was always like, don't step in the poop. Oh, my gosh, stay away from it. And now I see poop. I walk up and put my foot in it, you know, because you've got to see how fresh it is. And, you, gotta you know, it it's like a little bit. Yeah, you know, I just think that's so funny that as hunters, we're so, you know, intrigued by what animal was here and when were they here, and we really want to know those things. And, you know, so sometimes I send my mom a picture of me, you know, kicking some poop, and I'm like, ha ha, you told me not to do that, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) When I was, I want to say it was when I was in junior high, uh, there's this it's kind of like a nature park, uh, like natural preserve area, uh, not too far from where I grew up. And we went out and they had like a visitor center in there where you could buy souvenirs. And I remember one of the things they had was this shirt and it had all different kinds of poop on it. So you, (laughs) it had like a picture of coyote poop and a picture of deer poop and of squirrel poop and, uh, it was just this oh this huge God. grid on the front, and I would give anything to have that shirt again. Um, oh my gosh! It's gotta that be is awesome. I probably either I either gave it to one of my nephews, or it's sitting in a box somewhere in like my parents' storage in their warehouse. It uh-huh. it's probably been chewed on by mice at this point, but <laughs> I I have to find that shirt again somewhere. That <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, uh, if you find it, and if you ever see another one, you better let me know because I want that shirt. <laughs> I will definitely, <laughs> I will definitely keep an eye out for it uh, next time I'm down. Awesome. I'm sure they probably still sell the same dang shirt at that uh, at that visitor center, but I'll have to go look. 
Well, even though I was supposed to be working this afternoon, I know what I'm going to be doing online. I'm going to be looking everywhere for, <laughs> looking for shirts. poop shirts. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> well, moving on from poop. Um, kind of. Uh, so uh, you just recently got back from uh, uh, Ladies Hunt. Is that right? With uh, your Matthews Archery ladies? Yes. Oh my gosh. I am so lucky because I have the best girlfriends in this industry and I have managed to surround myself with awesome people, which is the key to success. We all know that. Um, so Matthew's archery set up a little, uh, ladies, um, archery hunt in Utah early season. Um, and it was, it was so refreshing and so nice because we don't do that very often. Sometimes us girls get together you know, and just kind of have a weekend or whatever. But we, we've we never really all hunted together. Um, and when I say us girls, I'm talking um, Christy Titus, who we all know and love. Um, <laughs> of Dana Waller, my, you know, just she's the best person in the whole world. I think everyone knows Jana Waller. Um, Melissa Bachman, who's maybe the coolest person I've ever met. And uh, Corinne from Matthews. So we all met up in Utah. Um, Jana and I got there a couple days before everybody else and just hung out for a while in this beautiful lodge. And we had a great family that was hosting us there and kind of showing us around. And, you know, it was just one of those refreshing, nice situations where we're going into hunting season. Everyone's about to get crazy, you know, busy with our schedules. And all of us girls just got to kind of go and hunt and relax and talk and catch up. and. Um, yeah, I just got home from that, uh, two days ago, I believe. And it was awesome. Um, and the best part about this is nobody really tagged out. Like, I mean, we all just kind of had a relaxing hunt. It was really hot out. Uh, the moon phase was bad. I can list a ton of reasons why none of us really shot anything, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a really cool thing when you can say, yeah, no, we didn't fill our tags, but it was the best hunt. You know, it was the whole experience and the entire process of it that made it amazing. So, yeah, I, um, I'm really blessed and lucky to be a part of the Matthews family and to have girlfriends like that that I can, you know, spend time with and, you know, kind of just bond over the outdoors. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was, uh, I was kind of following along on, uh, on yours and Christie's Instagrams and the stories. And it looked like you guys were just having a hell of a time. Like it looked like you were having so much fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you watch Christy Titus's Instagram stories, um, that's probably the best entertainment you can find around because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, we had a really good time. At one point, a squirrel got loose in the house, and it oh ended up gosh. in Jana's bathroom. Did I you see that? I was crying. I was <laughs> laughing so hard I couldn't breathe watching you guys, all of you, oh trying to deal with that squirrel. Was... <laughs> and then and then trying At to pull point... it out so you could show it. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Well, you have to see the squirrel's face. It was adorable. So at one point, Jana was sitting on the floor laughing because she couldn't stand up. And Titus was filming it for her Instagram story. But I volunteered to catch the thing because it was hiding behind Jana's toilet. And <laughs> someone has to get it out of there. So I grabbed one of Jim's shirts and um, caught it. And 
I, it never crossed my mind that it could be dangerous because I guess that, you know, people have been bit by them in the past and had to go get rabies shots and stuff, but I felt fine, you know, so I caught it and we had a, a good laugh and then I let it outside, um, you know, out on the balcony. So yeah, uh, but you know, I had <laughs> the next day I had, I woke up to dozens of text messages from people calling me the squirrel whisperer and I was <laughs> like, Oh, good. Thanks. You know, that's, that's great. Titus. But yeah, we, we had a really, really good time. Yeah, definitely. It definitely shows. And I think, you know, sometimes you ladies got to get together with the group. Um, right. You know, I definitely, I definitely see a lot of that from some of the ladies that I've talked to on the show. You know, I've, I've gotten to have Christy on. She was one of the, the very first people I got to interview when I was, when I was starting out, uh, I think she was a little bit bored at the at the um, <laughs> at the show out in Utah. Um, she's like, "Oh, uh-huh. thank heaven, something to do." <laughs> right? Yes, and isn't she fun to talk to? What oh a, my gosh, we had a we had a great what a time. Crazy girl discussing throwing yeah. snakes at vegans and uh, um, oh my god, there was a yeah, there was a, a bit of a miscommunication. Uh, she misheard something I said, and and we went through the next like five minutes of the podcast discussing two completely different topics but at the exact same time no <laughs> um she th- I, I said something about throwing uh throwing a steak at a vegan oh my god and or something like that and she thought i said throwing snakes and we both diverged on two <laughs> completely different paths and it, and it just kind of proceeded to get more and more confusing until we realized kind of Okay, <laughs> we're we're back. <laughs> let's let's get back on track. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, um. So, uh, speaking of the ladies, you're also uh, you also did some uh, a collaboration with Women's Outdoor News and Sitka recently, right? I did. Yes. Um, so I've been wearing Sitka gear for a few years and, um, you know, I spend a lot of days in the field every year. So, you know, obviously I'm very thankful that I have a, you know, a partner that makes gear that keeps me warm and comfortable in the field. So, um, and I also work with women's outdoor news because it's really the best place to go for news and the outdoors world, especially for women Although men also visit that website because there's some cool stuff on there. So um, my friend um, Barbara at Women's Outdoor News set up this collaboration with Sitka Gear. And it's so cool. I just was, I started making these short videos, kind of reviewing pieces of gear, um, recommending things to add to your lineup, you know, for the fall season. And, um, and it's, it's nice because it kind of answered a lot of questions for people. I get a lot of direct messages, private messages, um, text emails from women who are really genuinely wanting to know um, what type of, you know, clothing or gear they should have for a very specific hunt or what size I wear in a specific piece. Um, you know, so it kind of put a lot of information out there for, you know, women who are wanting to invest in some stuff for their fall season. And, um, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. I, I am so thankful for, you know, things like that that come along that allow me to kind of, um, you know, bridge that gap between my, the people I work with, Women's Outdoor News, Sitka, 
you know, and I also did a, um, a thing through women's outdoor news. I think it was a couple months ago that I thought was really neat. Um, so the NSSF, um, does a thing called project child safe and it's to kind of, um, help protect, um, children from firearms. You know, we hear a lot of stories about kids finding a gun and, you know, it, it doesn't have a gun lock or they don't know it's loaded and then accidents happen. Um, so I was really thankful that Women's Outdoor News brought me into that project um, with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And um, so I did a little video for them on that to encourage people to use gun locks and, you know, safely store their firearms. So a lot of cool little projects like that going on. And those things excite me because it's things that I'm passionate about. Now, uh, with that Project Child Safe, um, do, do I remember correctly, you, uh, you're also involved uh, with Covert Cabinets, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's such a cool little crossover there because, um, so Covert Cabinets is a company that reached out to me. I think it's been maybe even a year and a half ago, almost two years ago with this product that they make. And it's a cabinet. It's a, when I say cabinet, it looks like a shelf that you would hang on your wall that you would like sit a, a vase on, or, you know, you, in my case, I sit my alligator head on it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just this cool shelf that sits on the wall and it looks like just a shelf, a wooden shelf. Um, but it has a little key. It's a magnetic um, key that you put on the top of it. And you'll hear it click. And on hydraulics, the shelf opens from the bottom. And you can store um, guns in there, paperwork, jewelry, anything you don't want people to have access to. So, um, like in my house, I have one that has guns in it. And it's actually the guns that I use as my concealed weapon every day when I leave the house. So, as I'm walking out, I walk by this shelf. I click the unlock thing real quick hydraulics, it comes down, I grab my 380 and I stick it in my purse and I walk out the door. And that way, when they're in there and locked, people can come in and they can look at all the stuff in my house and walk around. And I know my gun is right there, but it's not in reach, technically. They can't get to it if they don't know how to open that shelf. Mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, things like that, it's just a responsible way to be as a gun owner. And I think that people are starting to realize that there are ways to keep your guns in places where you have easy access really quickly, but they don't have to be sitting out on the table. Um, just there's too many accidents that happen. Um, <clears throat> I read about it in the news every day and it's just tragic that, you know, it can be prevented and I'm trying to help get that message out there. I'm really trying to help. Um, even though I don't have children of my own, there are kids in my house all the time. And, you know, I'm very open about the fact that, you know, I, I just won't stand for it, um, you know, to have any chance of them finding something that they shouldn't. So, yeah, just kind of a cool project. I'm actually doing another project for um, Covert Cabinets right now, just kind of doing some of the, the videos and stuff for their other products that they offer. So, yeah. No, that's really cool. I, uh, you know, I, it's just me in the apartment and and stuff, but I still always make sure to keep my firearms locked up. I mean, if nothing else, just because I don't want people, you know, I, I don't live. I live in the middle of L.A. It's we get people breaking in. Someone broke into my neighbor's apartment fairly recently. 
Um, my my next door neighbor, I think I I don't think they mess with my apartment because uh, I have the sign in the window that says "Nothing inside's worth dying for," and it's uh, <laughs> filled with bullet holes. But uh, I, uh, right. you know, if somebody does come in and they're just kind of looking around, looking to grab a computer or a monitor or something, you know, I want to make sure my my guns are locked up. But you know, I also want them accessible. I like I said, if somebody, if I'm inside and somebody's kick, trying to kick down my door, I want to, I want to be able to scare them mm-hmm. off if I need to, and uh, you know, I don't want to have to go through, go into a big old combo safe and and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I always have enjoyed products like that, and it's, you know, it doesn't need to be big and obtrusive and ugly. Um, you know, you don't need an 800 pound safe that no one can move if nobody even knows it's a safe. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's my thoughts. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I have gun safes and I have, you know, little lock boxes and stuff like that. But the, the guns that I um, access most often are hidden in plain sight. And, you know, to me, it's not like the good old days where we would just put them down on the couch cushions or, you know, like, <laughs> you, you know, find, find a little hiding spot. Oh, no one will ever find it there you know, I think we need to be a little more safe about it, um, you know, and just uh, make sure they're locked up and, and even gun locks, you know, if it's a gun you're not going to use, you know, for quite a while. Um, and that's another cool thing. The, um, the NSSF through Project Child Safe, they have donated, uh, I could get this number wrong, but I think it's something like 800,000 gun locks to local, you know, sheriffs to hand out to communities. Um, you know, just for those cases where people have guns laying around and they're not secure and they need to be. And so there's no excuse not to have a gun lock on them because they're actually being given out. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, my, my self-defense pistol, I'm I'm not necessarily going to put a gun lock on that, but my mm-hmm. rifles, all my other stuff that's, you know, sitting tied up in the closet or whatever, mm-hmm. there's no reason I'm not trying to access those in a in a rush there's no reason for me to Mm -hmm. to not just for safety's sake throw a lock on that um Mm -hmm. i mean heck those i those i think i think my rifles my range rifles i'm pretty sure they've got uh, a lock going through the action of the rifle and then they're they're all of them are in hard cases Mm -hmm. with padlocks on them Mm -hmm. (laughs) i I, I it not may, they may not all have padlocks on them, but I know I have a bike like a one of those kryptonite bike locks, oh, and yeah. it's run through the hand handle of all three. So it's it's <laughs> it's kind of a pain in the butt to get my rifles. Uh, <laughs> right, it's an right. adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I do the same thing. I you know, <laughs> and I think that's just the responsible. It makes me feel better if I leave the house, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about someone coming in and and getting a hold of anything. Well, just the other day, uh, like two days ago, I got a text message from my neighbor, and she's like, hey, are you home? I'm like, no, why? And she sent me a picture, and my front door and my screen were just completely wide open, just swung open. And I don't know, I, you know, uh, she's a friend, and, and so she went in and she took some pictures of just everything, and it doesn't look like anything was disturbed. I don't think anyone broke in. I think I... 
I, I maybe I just like had a stroke on my way out the door and like didn't close it, or I kind of just swung uh-huh. it closed and it didn't latch. Who knows? But uh-huh. it was just for I mean probably from nine a.m. to three in the afternoon. Oh my, my gosh! Front door to my apartment was just hanging wide open, and so you know, I mean, I yeah. The few things, you know, I mean, I was worried about like my laptop. I was worried about some of my hunting gear and I was worried about my guns. And it really, I wasn't worried about my guns because I was the one thing that, I mean, they would have to mm-hmm. take my entire bed with them and half of my closet. To get, uh... <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way to be. It, you know, you don't want to have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, uh, what's coming up for Jules this, uh, this season? Uh, you have any exciting hunts coming up that you're looking forward to? Um, yeah. So last year I had a crazy season and I kind of overbooked myself. Um, so by the end of season, I, I was just fried. Um, so this year I kind of scheduled things a little bit further apart and a little bit easier. I'm staying out West, um, from pretty much all of season. I just came off of that Utah hunt. Um, I do have an antelope tag for Wyoming, so I'm going to go do that, I think, at the beginning of October. Um, I've got a bear tag and a wolf tag for Montana. You know, just kind of hanging out at West. I thought about running over to Idaho. I know Titus is going over there for some stuff. I might just tag along and go, (laughs) you know, film her do some stuff. I don't know. It's I love being out West because I can just hop from state to state and you know, there's still some over-the-counter tags that are in really good areas. Like Idaho is a great example of that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this year is just kind of relaxed. I'll be out west. I've got maybe, I don't know, six or seven hunts planned, something like that. So if uh, if people want to kind of follow along with everything and see, uh, see all the upcoming hunts and uh, check out some of the photos from the the ladies trip to Utah, where, uh, where's the best place to follow you online? Um, well, definitely social media. Um, that's, I, I have such a great community of friends in the, the hunting world on social media and, and I love getting messages from people and comments. And I try to post a lot of photos from behind the scenes on what I'm doing. Um, so my Instagram, um, is Jules McQueen, really simple, all one word. Um, and I'm on there more than I am anywhere else. But I am also on Facebook. I have a fan page. Um, and I think that one's Julie McQueen. If you can't tell, I go kind of back and forth between Jules and Julie. Most people call me Jules. But I think my Facebook fan page is Julie McQueen. And then I'm on Twitter, but I don't do a ton of stuff on there. I mostly use that just for, you know, projects I'm working on and stuff like that. So I would say go find me on Instagram or Facebook. Definitely. And I'll make sure to link to, uh, I'll grab those social pages and I'll make sure to link to them on our show notes page, which will be livingcountryinthecity.com slash 37 for episode 37. Yeah, very cool. So uh, as, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this podcast is kind of directed towards new hunters or folks who may feel overwhelmed by getting into the outdoors. Um, You know, what uh, what advice might you have for that person that, that says, you know, oh, I really want to go hunting or I really want to do this? Uh, there's just so much to learn. I, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Um, 
My advice would be go at your own pace. So, and the reason I say that is you're going to meet some people who jump in head first, they buy all the gear, they get a tag and they just go jump into it. And that's great. And then you're going to meet other people who feel much more comfortable starting off with just going for a hike or, you know, maybe um, joining a shooting club or going on a, a group trip, like a wing shooting event or something like that and starting off small and working their way into it. So, um, and the reason I, I kind of like to go in that direction is I have two degrees in psychology. So I really focus on different people's cognitive styles and how different people learn different things. And, um, the one thing you don't want to do is overwhelm yourself and put yourself in a bad position or an awkward position that makes you not want to go back out into the woods. So people sometimes jump in too quickly and then they scare themselves in some way, whether it's getting lost or not being prepared or not knowing how to read their map. And the worst thing you can do is to put yourself in a situation that's going to make you revert from the outdoors. You don't want to go backwards. You want to work into it and, and grow and enjoy it more as time goes on. So my advice is um, do what makes you comfortable, ask a lot of questions and have fun with it. Um, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, I started off just going for day hikes and then I would get a tag for an area and do some research. And then, you know, before I knew it, I was out doing these hunts on my own. And it's because I just slowly, gradually became more comfortable in the woods, you know, by myself. And, you know, with modern technology, there's really no reason why you can't reach out and ask for help if you need it. Um, there's in, in our hunting community, there's almost always going to be people who are willing to give you advice, answer questions, even help you pack out an animal if you need it. Um, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll find as you spend time in our hunting industry that we're very kind people and we're very willing to jump in and help other people, especially beginners, you know, people who really need um, advice or, you know, assistance in some way. There's a lot of people and organizations out there that that's, that's what we do. We reach out and we help people. Um, but I think the key is just to do what makes you comfortable and, and not jump in too quickly. You know, it can be dangerous, um, in some ways and just ask a lot of questions. Well, awesome advice. Um, I know I have done a little bit of both at times. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I have and maybe in some aspects thrown myself in and, and overwhelmed myself a little bit and started getting discouraged, but then uh then I think I took a managed to take a step back and and really remind myself that I I can only do so much in my in my first year going out for a hunt. Um But yeah, and, and I'm thinking about this and this this one will actually this episode will actually be airing just after I get back from my hunt. So uh, we will... Uh, oh, nice. I'm, this, this will be a little bit weird listening to this episode, uh, knowing that I didn't know whether or not I... Uh, <laughs> whether I came back I know, and you're, out heavy or not. Right, and you're a really good example, a living example of exactly, you know, what so many of us are trying to... Um, you know, to accomplish and to teach people, you know, you're going into this hunt with, you know, you've been prepared. I follow you on social media and I know that you're prepared. I know that you're ready for it. And 
you've done, you've taken those steps and you've done everything you can to put yourself in the best position. Um, you know, and, and those are the, the hunts that you'll always remember because you go into it feeling confident and ready. And even if you don't tag out, I can guarantee it's going to be the best experience because you know, for sure that that's where you need to be at that time. And, you know, there's a lot of people following along on your journey and being inspired by that and motivated to, um, you know, to do those things themselves. I think that's just a really neat thing that um, through your, um, you know, dreams and accomplishing the things that you want to do, you're inspiring other people to do the same. So that's pretty cool. Well, that is very encouraging to hear because uh, that was really my goal with with all of this was to just, I mean, well, one, document a little bit for myself, but really reach out and uh, and hopefully show other people that, heck, if I can do this, uh, just about anyone can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh-huh. thank you so much for hopping on the show with me today, Jules. I appreciate you taking the time and... Uh, sharing your your experiences yeah no thanks for having me i always like uh like talking to like-minded people and you know you and i have such a similar story on how we're we're getting into this whole thing so i just i am thrilled to be a part of it so thanks for having me on absolutely all right y'all that'll do it for episode 37 of living country in the city make sure you check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 37 to find links to jewel's socials along with everything we talked about in today's episode also make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any episodes especially my upcoming idaho elk hunt recap with clayton markster the adventure cowboy so until next time keep it country y'all Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. Keep me posted and um, be safe out there and stay in touch when you can, okay? Absolutely. I'll look forward to those poop pictures. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm totally texting you poop pictures. (laughs) (laughs) 